Here's an oldie but a goodie from the archives, part of the Side Hustle Show Greatest Hits Collection. Side Hustle Show 294, how to start an online store with no ideas and no inventory and still sell 300 grand worth of stuff in your first year. It's a dropshipping side hustle case study. What's up, what's up, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because multiple streams of income is the new black. It was that search for an extra income stream that led Rene Delgado to consider e-commerce, selling physical products online. He was especially attracted to the idea of dropshipping, where your suppliers ship products directly to customers on your behalf. You have no inventory risk, you don't have to worry about storage, you don't have to stand in line at the post office. And in this episode, you're going to hear how Rene went from having this interest in dropshipping to selling $300,000 worth of bounce houses in 2017. That was his first full year in business, all on the side from his day job. So how do you arrive at bounce houses in creating bouncehousestore.com? Well, he went through a very specific product research process he shares in this episode. So stay tuned to hear all about that, along with how Rene set up his supplier relationships, how he built his storefront, and how he made his first sales, and how the business runs today. Notes and links for this episode, plus a free downloadable PDF highlight reel summary with all of Rene's top tips from the call are at sidehustlenation.com slash Rene. That's R-E-N-E. I'll be back with my top takeaways from this chat with Rene after the interview. It was actually after an expensive real estate rehab project, another side hustle, that Rene turned his attention to dropshipping. And that's where the story starts. Ready? Let's do it. I decided to switch gears and focus on something that I could do from anywhere in the world if I wanted to, and something that would provide passive or semi-passive income on a regular basis. So I just started doing some research. And uh, I stumbled across dropshipping, you know, and I signed up for a course, learned the ins and outs, and the rest is, is history. I mean, I think dropshipping was really attractive to me at that point in time because it had a really low barrier of entry. It required a minimal financial investment on my part. There was no overhead or, you know, I didn't have to have any inventory or house anything. So the model really, really interested me. Okay. Which course was it, you mind, if you mind sharing? Yeah, it was Dropship Lifestyle. Oh, okay. Yeah, Anton and those guys have been, actually, for the sake of disclosure, a sponsor on the podcast uh, this spring. So, dropshiplifestyle.com if uh, if you want to check those guys out. Cool. So, so you invested in the course um, after the real estate debacle or the renovation project gone wrong and said, okay, this might be the next side hustle. This might be the next thing. What was that process like? You, you know, either something that you know, the course walked you through a specific process or what was what was the next step in getting from, from zero to one? The course does a really great job in holding your hand, you know, through the entire process. So you can go as quickly as you want or as slowly as you want. And I think the way that Anton's laid it out is, is really cool. So there's like a 21-day approach that walks you through everything from niche selection so website creation to contacting suppliers and getting approved, uploading products, all of that stuff. I didn't do it in 21 days. I think it took me like two months to get everything set up and, and get approved with suppliers. But in terms of the actions needed, you know, the course does a really, really great job of telling you exactly what it is that you need to do. And then it's just action. You've got the tools that you need. You just got to take the action to go out and do it. Tell me about that niche selection process. Like, how did you land on bounce houses? Yeah. So 
I was kind of trying to go back through my notes in preparation for for our chat today, and I don't really know how I stumbled across bounce houses. You know what what I did to start out during the niche selection process was I made a list of like 150 various niches, and they varied in criteria, but primarily centered on hey, the product's got to be more than 500 bucks. It's got to be dropship friendly. It's got to be hard to find in stores and it's got to have more than 20,000 unique searches in Google every single month. So with that criteria, I kind of started to create a list. It took me a couple of weeks. I got down to 150 and then I started narrowing down really just by purchase price. Obviously, the higher, the better. And then unique searches. And then ultimately also looking at trends and seasonality and also the cost of advertising. So how much was I going to have to spend per click to advertise these products? Using that criteria, I narrowed it down to three items and ultimately selected bounce houses. Okay. So you can estimate the CPC advertising or the pay-per-click advertising with the Google keyword planner, yes? Correct. Okay. And when you say dropship friendly, what do you mean by that? Because these things have got to weigh hundreds of pounds. Like that doesn't seem very shipping friendly in general. I don't know about dropshipping. What I mean by dropship friendly is basically, can I establish a relationship with the manufacturer in which I would spend the capital to do all of the front end legwork for them? So build a website, offer their products for sale and really just drive marketing from a paid standpoint and SEO standpoint. Can I pitch that to the manufacturer? and get them to drop ship product from them directly to the end customer. So the way it works is I'll sell a product. I don't house the product. Um, I don't have a warehouse or anything. So I sell the product to the customer at full retail value. I then contact the manufacturer, submit a PO at wholesale cost, and then the manufacturer ships the product directly to the customer on my behalf. It's finding manufacturers that are willing to operate on a similar structure. Do they advertise the fact that like they're willing to do that? Or is that kind of you've got to make some calls and say, hey, this is the setup I'm considering doing? Would a few extra sales a month be appealing to you? Here's how it would work. Yeah, most of the time, I mean, you've got to put in the working and actually pick up the phone and call these guys and kind of value proposition them. Some of them do, and you can tell uh, really quickly if you go to like their website, they'll have like a link that says apply for a dealer application. And that lets you know right away, yeah, these guys are willing to, you know, set you up as a dealer, distributor, wholesaler. The other guys, you've got to give them a call and you've got to get in touch with the right person and basically tell them what it is that you're trying to do, establish a relationship, and hopefully they say yes. They don't always say yes, but enough of them do that, you know, it allows you to, to create the store. And I imagine you need to have a critical mass. Would you want to build something around if you just had one or two suppliers? Ideally, no. Okay. You'd want to diversify. I think on, on like the bounce house store, I don't have a crazy amount of suppliers. I think I've got like six suppliers, seven suppliers, something like that. But the more you can get, the better. You know, with something like a bounce house, there are so many different manufacturers out there that it can get to the point 
in which if you offer too many commercial bounce houses, it can get a little bit overwhelming just because they're all fairly similar. Like nobody's got a very, very unique commercial bounce house now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, they're just built tough. They're built to last. Nobody's got like, you know, the license to go out and sell Disney bounce houses or anything like that. There used to be, but not anymore. So. Okay. For these initial 150 potential niches, was this just like Googling, you know, product lists that cost more than $500? Like just to even have the creativity to come up with 150 potential products seems impressive to me. It's kind of crazy. You know, initially I, I didn't think I'd be able to like come up with 20 of them, you know, but now you start looking for certain things and you'll start noticing items that you can sell all around you. I'm just sitting in, in my office now and, you know, I've got a big glass office door. I'm sure that that could be sold online. Office desk, office chair. Once you start to know what it is that you need to look for, you start catching things. And I would just jot down anything. Another thing that I used to do, I used to travel a little bit for work. And when I was at the airport, I would go to the, uh, you know, like the magazine stand. And I would look at like the niche specific magazines that they had, whether it was fly fishing, golf. I remember one thing that I picked up from one of those magazines. It was related to boats. And one of the items that I wrote down was like life rafts, right? Okay. Okay. Something that, like huge and bulky. Yeah, exactly. It could be anything as long as it's expensive, dropship friendly, you know, things of that nature. Like a giant wakeboarding rack or something for a boat or yeah, like a, a windsurfing setup or something. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor Taylor Brands is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. 
And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay. What happens next? So you call up the the suppliers, the manufacturers and say, hey, this is something I'm thinking of doing. You get a handful of those people to to say, yes, we're we're game. What happens next? So the next step, what I did was I, I had like a dummy website up before I gave these guys a call so that they could see, you know, what the website would look like, kind of the structure, et cetera. So once you get approved, I got their wholesale price sheets. They gave me all of the literature and photos and specs and everything with respect to their products. So the next thing is really just going into Shopify, which is the e-commerce platform that I use and uploading the products. So basically, you know, writing the copy for the product descriptions, editing images to make them the right size, putting all tags on them so it makes them SEO friendly compressing them so they're not too bulky, creating collections. It's all of the back of house stuff that you've got to get set up prior to launch. Yeah, because I'm looking at the bouncehousestore.com website now, and it's like really, or at least it appears to be really in-depth. There's a bunch of different categories. There's like a 1-800 number. There's like a price match thing. There's an, an account feature for, you know, if somebody has placed multiple orders and stuff like that. Tell me about this dummy website. Like how much of this was here initially? Or was it, you know, is the same Shopify template that, that you used just didn't have any products on there? Or, or did you just pull product pictures from Google images or something? And like, this is what it's going to look like. No. So you have to get a little bit creative. The website in terms of aesthetics and, and things of that nature, it looks fairly similar. The main thing was just having products uploaded onto the website before calling these guys. So let's say I want to get approved with supplier A. I would upload already supplier B's pictures and content and things of that nature and call supplier A and then redirect them to my website. So naturally, I didn't want to have their products already uploaded because I haven't established a relationship or or even gotten approved with them. But the important thing is just to have something up on your website so that they can get a feel for what it's going to look like and really just establishing that relationship with them and building that rapport. But it's not a blank website. Initially, there's products on there. They're just typically not the supplier's products uh, that you're currently getting in touch with, if that makes sense. Okay, interesting. So you make it you make it look like you're already working with their competitors or at least another company that they will have heard of. Yeah, it's a fine line. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's really important to hear, I think. It's just like, well, yeah, you have to get a little creative because it's like nobody wants to work with a completely unknown entity, but you need that first yes before you can even get going. Exactly. I'm curious, Renee, did you stress at all about competitors? I don't know if anybody else was doing this when you started or if, you know, if Amazon sells these products or did you pay any attention to the competition that was out there? I did. And I think that that's an important element when considering a niche to enter for a couple of reasons. I mean, first and foremost, I'm really not interested in entering an overly saturated niche. If you've got 20 competitors that are focused on selling bounce houses, 
your slice of the pie is going to be much smaller than a niche that only has two main players or three main players. So it's definitely something to consider. You know, Amazon, clearly they sell bounce houses. I've only got one real big direct competitor right now, but other than them and then like your typical brick and mortar, Target, Walmart, and then obviously Amazon, uh, who's a big player in the e-commerce space. I don't really get too nervous about entering a niche just because Amazon or Walmart is there. And that's just because the way that I'm trying to position myself is as the expert and the leader in that particular niche. So if somebody is searching for a bounce house, you know, and there's a store called the bounce house store, I think that that goes a long way, especially when the store, you know, has a lot of, a lot of good past reviews, a lot of good content, useful information. It positions us as the leader in that space. And I think that people are equally as, as comfortable to purchase from somebody that's a leader in the space as opposed to Amazon or Walmart. Yeah, absolutely. I, I use the same strategy for my uh, footwear comparison shopping site back in the day. I was like, I need to have shoes in the URL. That was like my only criteria. I need to have yeah, shoes yeah. in the URL because it's going to be, it's going to appear to be more relevant than, uh, you know, price grabber or next tag or some of these other comparison engines that I was uh, competing against. Exactly. So you mentioned Shopify as kind of the, the e-commerce backend store builder. Any other tools, software tech that went into it at the beginning? Everything was within Shopify, really. So there are a lot of apps and extensions that I leverage and utilize um, that are available as like add-ons to your Shopify plan. I do use a lot of that. From a paid marketing standpoint, Google has a couple of tools that I use pretty regularly. Obviously, AdWords for, for your paid marketing, if you want to use search text ads or Google Shopping. They've got the Google Merchant Center, Google Analytics. And then kind of the same thing with Bing. That's really it in a nutshell. You know, there are other aspects of the business like email marketing and things of that nature that have their own tools. But outside of Shopify and the core, you know, e-commerce side of things, that was pretty much it. Yeah. Do you have an estimate of your total startup costs? Including the course and everything else that went into <laughs> the, the it. The course will add a lot to it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I want to say... Four to five grand, okay, something like that. Yeah, relatively low overhead. I was just curious because, like, Shopify has got their you know two week free trial, and then I think the base level is probably in the thirty dollar a month range, ten bucks a year for a domain. It's like on the surface, it could be pretty affordable, but investing in some education that that'll add to it. Yep, definitely. Tell me about your first sales. Yeah, so my first sale, I launched the store at probably the worst time to sell a bounce house, which was like right smack in the middle of winter. So I launched it at the beginning of December 2016. And I got my first sale like three days later. And that's kind of when I, you know, you get that feeling, you hear the cha-ching from the Shopify app and you're kind of like, oh my God. Really? So middle, middle of winter, three days after the launch, somebody bought one of these things. Yeah. Somebody bought one of those things. That's awesome. Yeah. It was really, really cool. You know, so obviously I, at that point, everything is new to me. So I look at the order. I got in contact with the manufacturer and say, Hey, how do you want me to submit an order to you? And they say, Oh, this is standard PO. So I had to create a PO template, submit that order over to them, submit payment. And then once they shipped it, I got the tracking info, popped it into Shopify, 
and then that's all she wrote. It was really cool. It's kind of a, a mixed feelings, you know, really awesome experience. And then kind of like a, oh my God, what's next? You know, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a big believer that the only way to learn things is to actually get your hands dirty and really push through them. And after that, I mean, it, it's just the initial getting it done. And then after that, it's just all, it's just repetition, really. I mean, that's awesome to put something up and kind of have that not immediate gratification, but three days, you know, I've, I've had people go months, you know, before somebody ever found the site and made an order. So I think that's really cool. And then figuring it out as you go to say, okay, well, what do, what do I do with it now? You know, I got to figure out how to get this thing to the customer. Yep. Have you ever had any issues on the fulfillment side with flaky manufacturers or just like trouble with the shipping stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And that happens from time to time. So you know, it's not that big of a headache on some of the smaller bounce houses that we deal with because those go out parcel, whether it's UPS or FedEx. You know, the most common thing that we encounter is, hey, I put in the wrong shipping address. And those, it's pretty simple to fix. Typically, we have to get the manufacturer engaged and we've got good relationships with them. So they'll get in touch with the carrier and then they make the modification and it's no big deal. When it gets to be a problem is when you're shipping a bounce house freight and some of the bigger bounce houses that we sell, they all go out freight. So those items, you know, you've got signature required on them because of the valuation. They go out freight. So you've got to deal with lift gates at time of delivery. It's more of a headache and there's a lot more things that could go wrong. That's got to cost you hundreds of dollars to, oh, yeah. to ship that stuff. It's expensive to ship. You know, the big commercial bounce houses... At a minimum, I'd say like 300 bucks. And we've had shipments that shipping costs upwards of a thousand dollars. So yeah, it, it definitely eats into the, <laughs> to the margins. That's for sure. Yeah. And I, and I should add that some of the prices on, on these giant commercial bounce houses are in the thousands of dollars. So, you know, Hey, if I'm going to spend 300 bucks on shipping, like, okay, that makes sense. These are not cheap items. Yep. You're correct. Okay. I was just curious about the logistics side because you're kind of essentially outsourcing that to the manufacturer and say, I don't, I don't want to touch the product, which is, you know, probably the biggest benefit of a drop shipping business, but maybe also a, a liability if, you know, cause, since you don't have control over it. What's driving traffic today? Is it the Google ad stuff or SEO or what else is going on? Initially, it was all paid traffic. So, you know, it was Google search text ads, Google shopping and Bing. I've kind of tried to develop multiple inputs into the website. So one of the things that we focused really heavily on was SEO and organic. I think that the Bounce House Store did a really great job in terms of paid traffic last year. And this year, it's doing really, really well as well. But one of the areas that we were lacking in in the spring and summer season last year was SEO. So we spent a lot of time and invested quite a bit of money into, you know, content and SEO and outreach to other players in the field to kind of try to improve our page rank, obviously, the relevancy of our store to searches, etc. And it's all paid off. We spent quite a bit of money investing in, in SEO over the fall and, and the winter months of 2017. But, you know, when you look at Google Analytics these days, I'd say 50% or more of our traffic comes from organic search traffic. 
And our sales is something similar to that as well. And that's huge for me because I don't have to pay to bring people onto the website. Yeah. It sounds like you paid for it in a different way. You just paid for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but it's already, yeah, it's already been very positive return on investment. I think the brunt of the SEO work has been done on the front end and and now we're just kind of reaping the benefits, but you know, you've got SEO, paid search. I do a lot of retargeting on social media some blog marketing, but it's really just organic traffic and paid marketing is the the two big players now. Yeah. I mean, it's a straight up e-commerce site, very transactional. And that's where Google really shines. It's like, I'm looking for this specific product. Hey, I've got it. And here's the price. Click here. Yep. What's your time commitment to manage this thing? I know you're still working full time. It seems like this is a pretty serious empire, pretty serious side hustle. Yeah. So I've outsourced all of the day-to-day activities. So things like processing orders, updating inventory levels, PO submission, taking customer phone calls, responding to customer chats, emails, all that stuff. I've outsourced that. So I've got a virtual assistant and she's great. She handles all of that for me now. I'm still probably a little bit too engaged from time to time. I, I, I like to have my, I like to keep a close, uh, a close eye on things. So I still spend probably two hours a day, maybe just making sure that things are going okay. And I'll do that like in the early morning and in the evening, but you know, outsourcing to a VA that I trust and it's really freed up a lot of time, especially now in the spring and summer, it can get a little crazy. This is like prime season for bounce houses. Yeah. June is the the hottest month for sales. Okay. You know, May, June, July, and then August, it starts to kind of taper off. Okay. Is it the virtual assistant that's answering the phone if somebody calls that 1-800 number? Yep. She answers all the phone calls. She does everything customer facing, essentially. Okay. So she's kind of on call full time, basically. Yep. From 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Central. All right. Fair enough. What's next? There's a lot going on. I mean, I think I'm still not done improving and, you know, making tweaks here and there and making the bounce house store better. I think that there's still opportunities there, whether it's contacting other suppliers and manufacturers or doing more work behind the scenes to increase conversion rates or doing more SEO stuff. That's still all there. One of the other things that I've got spending a lot of time on currently is my second dropshipping store, which I opened up late summer of last year. Okay. That store takes quite a bit of time as well. The cool thing is that I've got two stores with opposite seasonality. So the Bounce House store is really popular in the spring and summer months. And this other store that I've got is really popular in the fall and winter. They kind of even each other out. That store is is newer, obviously. um, So I spend a little bit more time on that one uh, than I do the Bounce House store. But I think it did double double the sales of the Bounce House store in its first year. So Whoa. Yeah, so it's it's doing really well. These are crazy numbers. I can't even spit it out. <laughs> um, and I don't know what your margins are like, but I imagine that's profitable at, at that revenue level. Do you see this becoming a full-time thing? Like do you think you would just be like a, a dropshipping mogul and and quit the day job? It's possible. I think that I would probably have to open up a couple more stores and get those set up. I think where we're at right now, you know, this year on the Bounce House store through today, June 19th, we've already eclipsed sales for all of 2017. Wow. Um, 
and our margins are roughly 13, 14% after it's all said and done. You know, so that it's not bad. I mean, that's probably like 45 grand, 50 grand, something like that. And then the other stores, similar 15, 15% uh, margins. It could possibly become into a full-time job. I personally like the security of having a full-time job and I enjoy what I do. You know, so it's not on my radar right now. That's not to say that, you know, my goals and, and aspirations would change, but it's definitely viable, right? If I had to, I could. Yeah, I think that's a side hustle that a lot of people would be very happy with that uh, 12 to 15% uh, margin. Thank you for sharing that. I'm just curious, you know, what's how, how does it all shake down at the end of the day after shipping and paying the suppliers and all this stuff? Anything else that we ought to know? Drop shipping is, it's hard work. And that's kind of, you know, why I'm not, too scared about, you know, disclosing what my store was, right? <laughs> because, you know, the first time I disclosed it, there were a couple of copycat stores that popped up. I was very, very nervous at the time. But the main thing is you have to put in the work. It could be a full-time job. So the amount of work that's needed to get the store to a certain level, it can be pretty hardcore at times. A lot of people are really looking for a get-rich-quick kind of a scheme. So, all those copycats that popped up, they only lasted a month or two and they never really ate into my sales. So you've got to put in the work and, and that's something that I've been committed to doing. So it's not too big of a concern for me. But I think next, more stores, obviously. Yeah, it sounds like you got a, a repeatable system here. Now it's just a matter of finding the niches that meet your criteria. And and of course, we'll include all those in the show notes uh, for this episode, sidehustlenation.com slash Renee. Bountowstore.com. Check him out. See what he's got going on over there. Renee, thank you for joining me. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. I say just do it. Just do it. I don't want to fund on, on Nike or anything, but <laughs> just do the work. You know, if you've got a great idea, don't be afraid to fail. Try it, right? If you never do it, if you never try it, you'll never know whether or not it was going to succeed or not. So just take that leap and, and get it done. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, just do it. This is something that a year and a half ago didn't exist and is now pulling in significant money on the side. So it's really inspiring to hear uh, what you've built and what you're continuing to build. So Renee, I really appreciate you joining me and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Nick. 
All right, my top three takeaways from this call with Renee. Number one is to find that sweet spot niche. And you're probably thinking, man, all the good niches are taken already. But if Renee had thought that, he'd still be on the side hustle sidelines. These sites aren't that old. It's not like he started this stuff 10 or 20 years ago. And there's probably no such thing as the perfect niche. But I loved how he had such a clear cut list of criteria of what he was looking for. That's really helpful in narrowing down a laundry list of potential products. It sounds like he is really niche agnostic, similar to Greg Murray from Jungle Scout when it comes to Amazon products, and not that he had some crazy passion for bounce houses. Man, bounce houses, who knew they'd be such a hot side hustle? We just heard from uh, Corey Jeffries uh, a few months ago in episode 280 about his bounce house rental business, and now this dropshipping example. So there you go. Now, takeaway number two is fake it till you make it. The dummy site concept that Renee shared was a really interesting one. And I've actually noticed the same thing as an affiliate. It can be hard to get approved for certain affiliate programs if you don't have a site live. And at the beginning, you're like, no, I need the affiliate programs to build the site. At least that was my case with the shoe business. It sounds like the drop shipping suppliers or manufacturers work similarly in that it helps to at least have a placeholder site up. So it looks like you're legit. And I think you can be upfront about it. And you can say something like, hey, this is what the site might look like, or here's a beta version of what I have so far, but fake it till you make it. I really liked Renee's dummy site concept, getting those suppliers on board. And takeaway number three is paid ads first, SEO second. Renee was able to generate sales right away by driving traffic with Google ads. It's a beautiful system where a brand new site can instantly compete for the top of the search results for the exact keywords or products people are looking for. But even more beautiful is earning your way to the top of the organic listings with SEO, right? Ads are the lighter fluid. SEO is kind of the overnight log you throw on the fire to burn for a long time. You can't rely on it right out of the gate, but if the fire is ready, I think it can keep you warm for a long time. This was probably the biggest failure point of mine in the shoe business that I referenced, my original side hustle, in that I relied on paid ads for traffic and sales and they were profitable, but I didn't do a great job of reinvesting those profits into other traffic sources like like SEO. But it sounds like Renee is doing that very well. Paid ads first and then use the proceeds to develop your organic rankings. So what do you think? Viable side hustle? Check out sidehustlenation.com slash Renee for all the links and resources mentioned. And I also put together a free downloadable PDF highlight reel with all of Renee's top tips from the call at that URL as well, sidehustlenation.com slash Renee. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. I'll see you then. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.